FireRecruitmentAustralia.com. Become a firefighter without wasting years of your life, time, money, and effort on things that won't work. Get the facts and what works. You're listening to the Fire Recruitment Australia podcast with your host, Brent Clayton. It's Brent Clayton from FireRecruitmentAustralia.com with a podcast episode on how to become a firefighter without wasting years of your life, time, money, and effort on things that don't work. So each week we'll be covering a topic that you may need to get some more skills in or improve on in order to improve your chances of becoming a firefighter. We will cover theory and also real-life case studies of how people have overcome those issues through using what we teach. So in today's episode, we're going to be talking about the Fire Service Aptitude Test or Fire Service Cognitive Test and how you can go about improving your score rapidly and making sure that you get to the top percentage of people that approach this test and essentially get a chance to move through to the next step of the selection process. So today we're lucky enough to have Jean on. Jean's got a massive amount of experience in tutoring people and coaching people in fire service aptitude as well as aptitude in general, cognitive tests from all sorts of different levels. So he's been working with us for the past two or three years and we've seen some really excellent results. So we're really lucky to have Jean with us today. So, Jane, thanks very much for coming on, mate. Oh, thanks, Brent. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no, not at all. I really appreciate your time, mate. So, what uh, what I'm sort of looking to do today is just get uh, your insights into the, the sort of common things that hold people back when they're facing aptitude tests or cognitive tests and what the sort of common pitfalls you see time and time again uh, that, that hold people back in, you know, getting through these tests and being successful, mate. Yeah, sure. So, look, uh, there are a few. I mean, I've talked about this for such a long time uh, because it, it's what we do. But I probably break it down into into two categories. Um, one is you know preparing for the test, uh, which a lot of people do wrong, and the other one is not at all preparing for the actual experience of the exam. So, most people approach you know a test when they know they're about to do one in a few weeks or whatnot, and their approach is, hey, you know what, I'll do a bunch of work. Yeah. And that's it. So, and that's not an effective approach. Without strategy, it doesn't guarantee that you'll actually cover and learn the material that you need. Uh, at the same time, it gives you absolutely no strategy to find your weaknesses or improve upon them. And at the same time, it, it doesn't kind of desensitize you to the pressure that you'll actually be in when you're doing the exam, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So you're sort of saying a lot of people are prepared to do the work, but they don't think about it on a holistic sort of approach. So... As far as having a... 100%. Yeah, so no strategy, no way of sort of turning their strengths in... Sorry, weaknesses into strengths and preparing for the actual environment, I suppose. Is that sort of roughly hitting, hitting what you're saying? That's, uh, generally speaking, that's hitting the nail right on the head. Yeah, cool, mate. Excellent. So it's more specifically, mate, um, what, what sort of specific things do you see as, you know, common mistakes in this area? Um, okay, well, look, uh, let me talk firstly about the actual experience of doing an exam because I think that's, that's what most people really, really are entirely uh, thoughtless about. They don't even think about it. What they think about is the content, yeah. all right? And that's a whole separate question. But 
Uh, what I'd like to focus on just for a moment is the actual experience of doing an exam because most people don't even think about that. And what I'd encourage people to do is to consider the experience of doing an exam as an educational experience in itself because even if you know all your stuff, right, 100%, you can still do poorly in a test because when you're in a test, psychological factors come into play. You, people get test anxiety. People, um, you know, get stuck when they're in a situation that they can't do a problem and all of a sudden they don't know how to do it. Yeah. And that's going to happen, right? Because these aptitude tests, they're, they're aptitude tests, not memory tests. Yeah, yeah. They're designed, sure. to challenge your, they're designed to challenge your thinking. So you're necessarily going to be in that situation, in the yeah, test. Sure. Right? Another thing is that people don't manage their time strategically. Yeah? yeah. Time management in an exam is not something that happens when you notice there's 15 minutes left or half an hour left, right? <laughs> yeah, it's something it's that should happen from the very moment that you enter the exam. Yeah, yeah, or, or coming up to the exam so that it's yeah, it's not too late and then you spiral out of control before you you realise and then you know you could be on the sidelines for another year or, or more. So for sure, it's not something that you can just decide to do when it's already too late. So completely agree with you there, mate. Yeah, um, the other the other thing that if I just mention on the other side of the point is of course the preparation for the test. Yeah. And I think this is something you were alluding to just before when you were saying about um, finding weaknesses and focusing on them and, and stuff like that. Yeah. And if you don't mind, can I just can I talk a little bit about that for just a moment? Absolutely, mate. Yeah, go for it. Okay. So, first of all, I'd say that it's it's absolutely crucial to do practice tests. Yeah. Right? You If you don't do practice tests, you're not going to do well. And on top of that, you need to do that test in a situation where you're pressurized, where you're on a, on a time budget, ideally maybe someone's standing there in the room with you so that you feel like you're being supervised. Yeah. Uh, anything you can do to kind of replicate the scenario of real life yeah, examination sure. yeah. in test conditions, right? But even when you do that, and when you do do that, you will perform differently than when you're just sitting there, you know, one evening, you know, going through a practice paper in a kind of chilled out manner, you know, taking your time. That's not the same thing. It's really not. Absolutely. But in terms of covering content, what you need to do is to understand your weaknesses. And what I like to do with students is after they go through an exam, we like to go over all their mistakes and to categorize them so they can find out what their weaknesses are. Yes. Um, the categories I suggest, right, there's, there's generally four that we look yeah. at. So number one is did not study. And that's yeah. a category of mistake that yeah, you simply didn't study it. It's a really easily solvable problem. You missed it because you didn't know how to do it. You haven't seen it before. Yes. Number two is cannot remember. Yeah. Uh, so for some reason, you, you might have not remembered the content. Again, a fairly easy problem to fix, but it, it's all too common, especially in a, a pressurized situation where you just you know it's on the tip of your tongue, on the tip of your mind, but you can't, you can't for the life of you get it out. Yeah, for sure. Um, uh, thirdly, uh, situations where you're unable to apply the content. So you know that you know it, you remember it, but you can't seem to apply it in the context of that question. Yeah. And that's probably a fairly difficult situation to improve on, the most difficult one, because it might mean that you've been learning things in a very rule-dependent manner, yes. you know, without actually focusing on comprehension. Yeah. Um, it also might mean that you haven't practiced enough variation of questions. For, for sure. And, um, and something that sticks out for me in what you're saying here is if, if you haven't categorized it like you're saying, then you, you're never going to get the opportunity to fix it um, for the actual test. Do you, do you know what I'm saying? 
Yeah, well, I mean, you, you might, but if you do, you, you just be lucky, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. You accidentally happen to cover that right material, happen to focus on that strategy. For but sure. you're 100% right. Without categorizing, without analysis of your weakness, you know, you're going to waste a lot of your time and you might not even get what you need to get. Yeah, for sure. And if you do, it'll more than likely be a fluke. And with the, the sort of tests that I'm talking about, uh, more than likely you'll not. Get, you won't, the fluke won't get you there sort of thing. So, so yeah, absolutely. Um, and the last category of mistake I uh, just wanted to mention is careless mistakes, yeah. uh, which is something people uh, don't think about a lot. They think, oh, darn, you know, that was a silly mistake. I put the decimal in the wrong place or yeah. I made that a minus and not a plus, right? And they think, oh, it's no big deal. Yeah. But that is just not true. That, that's a huge deal because when you consistently make careless mistakes like that, yeah. they take a big chunk of your marks. Sure. And, um, and, and what helps, in my experience, is confidence. Because when you really know your material inside out, yeah. you're not going to, even under a pressurized situation, you're not going to make mistakes. You know, for example, if you had a test and all you had to do was add two numbers or, you know, count one to ten, yeah. you know, it doesn't matter how much pressure there was, you wouldn't make any careless mistakes because it's so simple and you're so confident in your ability to do it. For sure. But, Absolutely. So, uh, practicing a lot under pressure and getting a lot of practice and confidence is something that really helps with careless mistakes. And, and those are kind of the four categories. So just to recap, did not study, cannot remember, yeah. unable to apply, and carelessness. Yeah, yeah. The, the carelessness one it also comes through, in my experience, where uh, read the question. Do you, do you know what I mean? A lot of the time, people that I've worked with over, over time, it's, it's stuck out that it's like, they just need to read the question properly as well so that they're not making careless mistakes. And like you said, mate, that can only come through practicing and, and getting used to the content and, and the right content for that matter. So, yeah. Even aside from that, there are a few things that you can do, I think. So, for example, if you go through a bunch of practice tests and you notice that you know 90% of your mistakes are carelessness, yeah. right? then there's something clearly wrong. You're clearly approaching... Uh, examination in a way that makes you careless. Yeah. Right? That's something you need to work on. So, like a couple of strategies there. For example, one is obviously the practice, like yeah. you said. Another one is lip reading the question. So instead yeah. of just reading in your head, you, you kind of you kind of sub vocalize it and, and you you read it with your lips. That that makes it easier to make sure that you're pronouncing every word in your head. Yeah. Um, it's a great tip. And also and also back checking. So back checking is a technique that we teach students whereby every calculation that you go through, you do it twice. Yeah. Right. So you do it once, and then you just quickly, just for a moment, just read up, recheck, quickly re go over, you know, your your mental arithmetic, just for a split second. But you catch yourself, right? And you've got to get into the habit of doing that. Uh, absolutely. And mate, what sticks out for me fundamentally during this conversation is if you don't have a system to identify these problems before they, you know, arise in an actual test situation you are more than likely sort of behind the eight ball and more than likely going to be not successful. So, yeah. It, like, 100%. You know, yeah, you really need help. You know, you, especially if you're not experienced in doing tests and preparing for tests, you need help, you need a mentor, you're just not going to be able to um, improve at the pace that, that's necessary on your own because yeah. you're likely to have to focus on the content a lot and you might... You know, you might forget, oh, what about my strategy? What about my time management? Yeah. What about this? What about that? You know, it's impossible for you to think of everything 
on your own, especially if you're not used to thinking in this manner. Well, yeah, particularly if you've, if you've been away from like the school or testing environment for a number of years, and if you know, you're not familiar with the content for the test that you're going for. So, completely 100%. And that's something I imagine uh, a lot of your clients would have uh, a big issue with, right? Because they're mature age students and a lot of them might have not done a test for you God knows how many years. Um, and then all of a sudden they have to sit there and prepare. And do they know how to prepare? When was the last time they prepared for a test? When was exactly. the last time they did math? Exactly. And that's like, so the age range can be anywhere from sort of 20 up to, you know, late 40s or even 50. That's sort of the age range. So. You can have been away from school or that testing environment for for a long time. So, in taking that into account, um, you need a system, and like you need to be practicing the right content within that system to have the rapid increases that you need to be able to post a competitive score and sort of move on through the test. So, that's that's a, that's a massive thing. Yeah. Look, the other thing I point out there. Um, I mean, it might seem a bit obvious, but. It's just a psychological factor of having a mentor and having help. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of people, they're mature students, as we just said, they might have not done this for a long time, but a lot of people carry mass anxiety with them from school, you know, especially <laughs> people who didn't do necessarily well in mathematics at school, and then all of a sudden they have to do yeah. fractions, decimals, and mental arithmetic. You know, they freak out, they don't know, and they're trying to memorize it, and they're not confident. And just the, um, the psychological, certainty that you get from having someone there that they look point you in the right direction that you know you're not missing something that yes. you know someone's got your back that in itself makes it so much easier to move forward and to do so with confidence and to enter an examination with that confidence that you wouldn't get on your own because you just you know you don't know what you don't know right <laughs> absolutely I, I love that saying because it's so true or you don't know what you don't know because the the moment you show people what they don't know, it opens up a whole whole new world of opportunity for them. So it's you, you're spot on, mate. Yeah, um, I mean that's I mean that that that's the gist of it. You need you need help, and uh, in terms of the actual techniques for what how to prepare for a test, I mean you could read a book about it. I could talk to you about it for an yeah. hour. I could I could lecture you, um, but. At the end of the day, it's hard to apply everything on your own. Oh, for, for sure. Right? And, and there's thinking about... But not impossible. Doing... You know, not impossible. It's not impossible. It's oh, of course, of course not. But we're, we're talking about uh, really not wasting your time, pretty much. Is, is I'm, I'm big on that. So, like, focusing on having the right uh, test content so that you're not, you know, looking at stuff that's superfluous. Uh, getting the right help so that you don't sort of fall behind unnecessarily so that you, you're not wasting that time. And, and in the case of fire service recruitment, you know, if you're unsuccessful, you're looking at a year in most cases minimum before you can get another crack at it. So it's worth getting those systems in place and having someone to guide you. And that confidence thing that you touched on is massive, I think. Just having someone uh, help you out and... Uh, being able to rebound questions and things you're not sure about off. So I reckon that's it's really big. So yeah. Mate, do yeah. you do you yeah. sorry, do you have a uh you go? <laughs> um I, I was just gonna say um we I'm surprised we haven't mentioned this so far, neither you nor I, 
but uh, practice materials are also uh, a big issue, especially for clients in your situation, yeah. because there's a fairly limited amount of practice aptitudes that you can get. They're a bit different for the fire service and police service, for, for nursing, etc. Yeah. So it's really important to get access to the right kind of questions as well. That cannot Definitely. be overstated. Yeah, um, sure. And you know, the issue that we sometimes have when we're tutoring uh, majority students for these kind of tests is that, you know, say we figure out, you know, look, you know, you've got a challenge when it comes to converting measurements, yeah. right? So uh, we might bring in a bunch of materials uh, to help with that, but those materials, the materials that exist yeah. uh, that are around <laughs> basic numeracy, they yeah. tend to be very kiddish or childish, you know? Sometimes the adults, they don't take them seriously and they think, oh, you know, why do I need to do this or I don't need to know this or this is for kids, you know? And it's just, it's just not true, you know? People need to practice um, for sure. as much as they can on their weaknesses so that they can do well in an exam that they have no experience doing. Absolutely, and that probably touches on the attitude in approaching the test. You know, to be in a positive mind frame because, yeah, it might be kiddish or whatever, but uh, we're looking at the greater outcome as a whole. So I think if your attitude's not in the right direction, you've got a bit of a hurdle to start with. And as far as uh, content and test questions and stuff, that's probably one of the biggest um, value sort of propositions of what we do is in our um, exam sort of centre offering actual relevant test questions which I think really helps people focus on the service that they're applying to um, and then when you couple that with a system and with uh, like a coach or a tutor that you've got a sort of an unbeatable setup there so yeah yeah well for the aptitude test you do <laughs> yeah, for that specific sort of thing. So, mate, do you have a, a case study of someone that you can share with us, sort of that, you know, came came in and, and went from, you know, poor results to where, you, where they needed to be by using the sort of system and the, the help with, with you guys and your team? Yeah, look, we get we get so many uh, people coming in that want help with uh, one of these kind of tests. Uh, people that want to be a nurse, a policeman, a woman, or a fire fire services um, worker. And uh, there's a lot of a lot of tech studies. I mean, generally speaking, we get you know we get lots of feedback. One lady um, who was uh, going for a test, she hadn't done maths. She had that kind of anxiety built up from school. Um, you know, didn't know what to do. But she she contacted us months and months in advance of her test and she practiced with someone like really much more than I thought was necessary. Yeah. She overprepared. But uh, you know, she got in and then by the time because of that over preparation, by the time she got there, it, it wasn't there wasn't the same anxiety that she had been accustomed to, you know, that yeah. she remembered school, you know? I, I think that points and, and out the the, uh, the relevance or the value of uh starting your preparation with plenty of time as well. Um because we have a lot of people coming through that they like the it opens up for recruitment and they're like my test is next week and it's like well I can help you <laughs> but it, you know you're really limiting your your options or your opportunity to to nail it this time whereas if that had come you know three months ago or something then it's like yeah for sure we can we can definitely increase your score using our system and Gene and his team to to get you to where you need to be so. That, on the day, you're not stressed, you're familiar with it, and you can post the best score that you're capable of. So the time things, it's massive, and, and it still surprises me how many people leave it 
you know, to the last week or, you know, a couple of days. And so, very good point. And you know what? I, I really don't understand why they do that because, you know, it's their livelihood on the line. You know, they can't apply again next week should the exam not go well, right? Yeah. I don't understand that kind of behavior, you know, but, um, you know, to each their own, I suppose. Oh, I think it's, it might be because we work in this sort of field, but if, if you quantify it in, in monetary sort of terms, if you think about, like, the fire service because that's sort of where we operate, if it takes you an extra two years to get in because you didn't prepare properly, that means that's two years of pay rises and possible promotion that you're missing out on. And if you sort of extrapolate that out, it, it turns into a lot of money, like thinking of it in those terms. So it, it is interesting once you start looking at it from that sort of perspective. No, I completely get you. I've got a, I've actually got a really, really close friend uh, who took a, a few years getting into the fire service, and it wasn't until he spent rigorous <laughs> amounts of preparation time, not just for the applicant test, but also yeah. for the um, for the interview and stuff, yeah. that he actually managed to get in. Yeah. And sure. you know, and from my point of view, like, dude, why didn't you just do that two years ago? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's almost as if some people need that negative feedback or that kick out the bum to actually go uh, realize that it is that difficult and yeah i have to do an extraordinary or an extraordinary amount of work to get from where i'm at now to where i need to be so yeah it's it's good that you've you've experienced that you know through an actual friend of yours so that you, we both sort of understand what's going on there so Really good. It's actually really upsetting, you know. I mean, the, the level of disappointment that occurs, it's, it's um, you know, it's, it's very, it's very, it's not cool, you know. Oh, I'm absolutely with you there. It's um, it's horrible, and and look, I've been there personally uh, many, many years back, and I remember almost, you know, fainting because of how sort of bad <laughs> I felt. Mine wasn't a wasn't a aptitude test problem at the time but it, it didn't matter it was interview uh, just for interest sake but it's the same thing I hadn't prepared enough I didn't know what I didn't know and all that sort of stuff so you know I was there back in those days opening up the letter at the letterbox and just you know world crashing down sort of thing so it's a significant thing to be exposed to and then to pick yourself up from and continue on but yeah it's, it's just a really good lesson in in what you what you need to do to become successful, so. And you know what I think the problem is in in your field there. Um, people don't know that, right? Like people aren't. I think if more people were aware uh, about how difficult it is, or um, how far behind they'd be on, on that aptitude test, and yeah, then they'd they'd be more willing to prepare to invest their time and so forth. But people just don't know. They get surprised. You know, I mean, what other explanation could there be for someone who calls you a week before this exam that's, you know, apparently going to decide, you know, the course of their life? Yeah. Um, you know, just a week beforehand. It's not. Yeah, well, it doesn't. I think the explanation of that is that they don't know. They don't yeah. know how hard it is or how competitive it is. Yeah, it doesn't add up a lot of the time, mate. Um, just to sort of wrap up this section, mate. I normally like to sort of throw some takeaways or action points in so that the people listening to this have got something tangible that they can actually go and do sort of now or today. So have you got some lessons or takeaways for us, mate? Yeah, sure. Um, how much time do you have? 
<laughs> maybe if, um, if we just bomb in maybe the top three or four things that you'd recommend as uh, takeaways or learning points, and then uh, that way we can we can wrap it up with Okay, sure, sure. Um, okay, so firstly, I'd say organization and preparation. Yeah. Uh, namely, uh, start months and months before your exam and focus on the following three things to prepare yeah. your next three months of study. Number one, what do you need to know? Number two, what resources do you have for learning it? And number three, um, making a sort of schedule for with that time frame for what you're going to do and when. Yeah, Right? So such a small thing, no one does it, right? And then they get caught out at the end. Yeah. Uh, number two is uh, preparing for the exam. Learning the content is simply not enough. You have to do practice exams. You absolutely have to. And furthermore... You have to do them under pressurized simulating conditions where you, know, you give yourself a real time limit. You might have your partner or your friend standing over you for the three hours or yeah. whatever it takes you to do it. For you sure. have to do that um, to, to get that practice. Um, number three is to categorize your weaknesses. Uh, so, so every time you do this, categorize your mistakes so you know what to focus on. Again, uh, they are did not study, do not remember, unable to apply, or careless mistakes. Yes. Notice what the pattern is in your weakness and then find a way to focus on that particular weakness. Um, also, in, in, uh, in regards to analyzing the test, uh, if you notice that you're obviously making regular errors in particular topic areas, then you need to focus on that topic area. So some people might have a weakness when it comes to converting measurements, others when it comes to worded problem solving. Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. So you got to analyze those tests, understand where your weaknesses are, and focus. Um, and um, yeah, I mean, I think that those would be the main three. Absolutely, mate. Well, thanks very much for running us through sort of your viewpoint and particularly the experience you know that you've had that's real today, and also giving us a case study and a few takeaways so that people can actually. Go and do it. I really appreciate your time for coming on today, Gene. Thanks very much, mate. No worries. Thanks so much, Brett. So at the end of each episode, I've got a special offer for those of you that have stuck around and listened to the episode and enjoyed it. Today, what the offer is, is I've got a free aptitude improvement blueprint that you can go and download at firerecruitmentaustralia.com.au. Gene's also been kind enough to include some study notes that you can find just below this post. You can download those and use them to help help you get the edge. And lastly, uh, Gene and his team have been generous enough to offer our members a significantly discounted coaching rate. So if you're one of our current members or you join up as a member, you can get Gene's help or Gene's team's help and my help for that matter at a discounted rate. So thanks very much for tuning in. If you've enjoyed this episode, make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out on any upcoming episodes. If you've got something out of it, please leave us a a good review in the iTunes store so that we can continue our great work. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Brent Clayton with a podcast episode on fire recruitment aptitude testing. See you next time. You're listening to the Fire Recruitment Australia podcast with Brent Clayton. Visit firerecruitmentaustralia.com.